my favorite thing is real life things going on documentary style videos. That's what I've tried to do in some of my videos. But it's fun because in those interviews, like it's almost selfish. Like I'm just asking these questions that I want to know the answer to, but I can make a video out of it too. Perfect. What is up, you sexy bastards? It's your boy Pushups, aka Rabbi Can't Lose, aka Noah Kagan. One of the things I'm always fascinated by is people who've been ultra consistent over very, very long periods of time. Recently, I connected with someone like that named Shelby Church, who's been making YouTube videos since she was 14 years old. She started doing makeup tutorials and vlogs of her life as a gymnast, but has since pivoted to making videos about tech and lifestyle design. Today, she's 25 years old and makes a very healthy living full-time via her one and a half million YouTube subscribers. Whether you're trying to be a content creator or just build your own business, you'll enjoy this episode. In this conversation, you're going to learn three major things. Number one, how to stay consistent and stick with one thing over a 10-year period. Two, the exact hiring process I use to find exceptional people. And three, we take you behind the scenes of what running a YouTube business actually looks like. Enjoy those three things, plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. Before we jump into the conversation, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel where I release three videos about business or marketing every week. In one of last week's videos, I broke down how you, yes you, can start a million dollar business over the course of the weekend. It's the exact steps I used to start AppSumo in under 48 hours. Go check it out at youtube.com slash okdork. Also, if you want to start a business, join monthly1k.com. We've helped over 10,000 people overcome fear and find success on their business journey. It's $7. Seriously, that's monthly1k.com. Also, a special pre-show shout out to listener Roy Bauman. What's up, man? From the USA. He left a review saying, if you're looking to get ahead in business and life, start here. Damn, man, I really appreciate your feedback and every other listener out there. If you want to shout out in a future episode, just leave a review on iTunes or anywhere online. I check every single one of them. I really respect how consistent you are. Oh, thank you. Do you think of yourself as a consistent person? Because to do videos for this long is near impossible. I can't believe I've done it. I think the first few years I did YouTube, I was in high school, so I wasn't really that consistent. But then when I decided to, like, I never really finished college. So when I decided to do YouTube full time, I just took it way more seriously. I was kind of thinking if this is the only thing I'm doing, I need to upload at least once a week. So that's kind of what I do just once a week. Because I think if I try and do twice a week, the quality suffers a little bit for the style of videos. But I definitely try and stay really consistent. Just because I think with the algorithm and everything, if you're not uploading very often, you can kind of, like people sort of forget about you. What do you think the difference is between you and everyone else who's uploaded a few videos? I think just honestly the consistency. Like when people just upload a few, nothing's really going to happen. Like I think every YouTuber who uploads their first few videos probably don't really do that well. Like very rarely does it take off. So it's just pushing past that. I feel like I also just genuinely really like making videos. These days, a lot of people just start YouTube because they see that you can make a career out of it. But I started when I was 14 and just wanted to make videos for fun. And I never thought it would become something like this. Yeah. So you like making the videos. I think the other thing you said that's interesting is you treated it seriously. And you said it's a career. I think people think of it as a... um like it's a playground. They're like, oh, you may, you go out and you play and you make a video just like that and then you're rich? That's like what my parents think. I was talking about how I'm, I'm interviewing a 24-year-old girl who's got a career on YouTube. And they're like, 
Han, she makes money. You know, like they're <laughs> it's a little hard for them to believe. I know. It's funny because everyone in LA gets it. They're like, oh, YouTube, yeah, YouTuber, whatever, like Uber drivers and everyone. But here in Seattle, where I am right now and where my family's from, people don't, they're like, they almost don't believe it. Like you can make money from that. What? But I do think there is a balance. Like if you take it too seriously, it comes off kind of weird. Like if you take it like treat it so much like a job that you don't even enjoy it, I feel like the videos suffer a little bit. So I do try and, you know, make videos about things I'm interested about, but I take it seriously in that, you know, I have a schedule and a routine that I stick to to actually get things done. So I think the balance has to be right with YouTube because it is like if you don't have any passion towards it, it's just not even going to be good. How do you think more people can get past the consistency? I love what you said, which is like, hey, if you don't enjoy it, like I think people are like, oh, just do it. And there's a difference between like a hobby and a career. But I guess how how would you encourage people to think about that? With the consistency, it kind of depends on that person's life. If they have a full-time job, they're trying to start a YouTube channel as well. That's so much harder. You probably have to just break it down into videos that you actually can make each week. Because my videos, if I had a full-time other job, I wouldn't be able to make them because I just edit them for probably like 20 hours like there just wouldn't really be the time so I think for consistency it's like actually deciding to do it and making yourself do it even if it's not you know like starting small like it can be a two-minute video it doesn't have to be a 10-minute long video where you go make like a documentary basically it can be just like (laughs) just starting like making that habit of making videos I found that with podcasting is hard to like create the habit of doing this new thing each week, but I'm so used to it with YouTube. It's like I have videos sometimes like ready to go for the next couple weeks, but usually I'm not. It's like barely (laughs) ready for that week. No, that's really interesting. So what do you think the difference is between the podcast and the YouTube for yourself? I've just done YouTube for so long and I know exactly how long about it'll take me to edit. And for me, it's more fun to edit videos because they're visual. Editing a podcast is not that fun to me. (laughs) So I think that's part of it. And then I just underestimate how long it'll take just in general. I think, oh, it's like an hour long interview. But then if you edit it, I need to just hire an editor. But um, I forget that it will take way longer pretty much. And like, I just am not in the routine of it. I'm getting there. I have a phenomenal editor. Like our guy, he does mean like a pretty high level other podcasts. I'm happy to introduce you. That would be awesome. You treat it like a career and a profession. How have you thought about that? Like I run a company or I help run a company and we have a team. And so I guess I've wondered about your team and I'm actually surprised you still edit and I'm kind of surprised you still do the podcast editing too. Yeah, the podcast, I just do the editing because my sister and I just started it. So we wanted to edit the first few episodes ourselves just to, I don't know, kind of like find the music that we liked. It's just a little different, I guess. And then show to someone else like okay this is exactly kind of the style that we like and how we like it but I feel like for podcasts you really don't need to edit it yourself because you're really just cutting out the boring parts for the most part but for videos I've tried quite a few times to hire editors for my main channel it's just difficult because I do a lot of voiceovers and I'll shoot a video halfway and I'll edit it and then I'll come up with more stuff to shoot like I'm figuring out what the video is while I'm halfway done editing. So to have somebody else edit it, I don't think it would turn out as good. But for like my vlog channel, I hired an editor. And I think if it was a more kind of basic video, I could hire an editor. But 
I also enjoy it. I don't know. I really actually like editing. So yeah, I, I think that's always a fascinating thing in business where people are like, I hire all these people. It's like, well, I like doing it though. So it's, it's kind of like a interesting conflict of sorts. You do have a team though too. Like I think you have an agent we went through or? Yeah, I have an agent and a manager. So I think a lot of YouTubers have managers and less have an agent, but I started working with the agency first and then decided to get a manager as well because I have other projects that I've been trying to get off the ground, but realized I wasn't, didn't have the time, like enough time or I wasn't like figuring it out. Right. So I want to get more into making different like documentary style projects that would live off of YouTube, even though YouTube is always like my number one thing. But yeah, that's kind of why I started doing that just for like the bigger picture. What value do they provide to you? So the agency, they are so helpful with brand deals. So any brand deal they negotiate or they'll just bring me some. It's been so long since I've not had a manager or an agent that I kind of forget what it's like. But if I have a day where I have to stop in the middle of the day and have a phone call or something like that, it interrupts my flow of making a video so much that it's like it just wouldn't work. They're really good at negotiating. Like that is their job. And I'm like, that's like, I don't even want to do it, to be honest. So I like that they can just handle that. And then I more recently started working with a manager too, right before the quarantine. So it's kind of a weird time too, because it's not like, like there was a lot more planned out, like travel things. I was going to go speak at some event, but it's like, okay, all of that's canceled. But he's been really helpful in figuring out the podcast and everything because it's such a different world from YouTube. And just kind of scheduling things out and figuring out like bigger picture what I want to work on. I will say I really appreciate it refreshing that I know because I'm talking to you. I'm like, oh, we could, she's good with that audio has to be high and the camera has to be high quality. Yeah, I know. People that don't do YouTube or anything are like, oh, yeah, it's all good if it's like, or I think even a lot of people that do, they're, it's okay if it's like just the phone call calling in. But when I listen to a podcast and it's someone like talking on a phone, I'm like, uh, I'm going to go to an episode that's like better audio quality. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> Hopefully that's just me. Well, I was shocked because when I started my podcast a few years ago, I had like, you know, pretty well-known people on and I just recorded on my phone and I'm like, yo, the quality's so good. And uh, then people complain. And I guess I think one, I call it the McDonald's theory. where like, if you eat McDonald's out of McDonald's bag, you're like, oh, it's a dollar hamburger. But if you put it like on a nice plate and you don't tell them it's McDonald's, they're like, what is this burger? This is pretty good. And so I think you have to line up the, the expectation, like a video, like my YouTube videos were shitty, but now we have cameras and editors and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, wow, you'll, you'll take it more seriously. And I think you'll appreciate it more. Kind yeah. of same with your audio quality. I'm interested what made you want to start doing YouTube because you already had all these successful companies. So were you just like, oh, just want to document it? I think I didn't know what my destiny was mm -hmm. and I was afraid of it. I think that's actually really it. You know, I know a lot of these famous people on YouTube, off YouTube and I also think there's like this new, like you're a new level of fame. You're like, there needs to be a new label for people like you. Yeah, it's like niche. Like you're not going to go to the mall and get like mobbed, but like maybe a couple of people will recognize you. Totally. I always joked it was like, no one gives me the free upgrade at McDonald's. I don't know why I'm so into McDonald's today, but I don't even eat there. But no one goes to McDonald's. I'm like, oh my God, it's you here. You can have a free Big Mac. I think for YouTube, I've been blogging since 2000, but I think I always held myself back if I'm straight with you. Like, there's people who are more famous that I don't think are better than me or more knowledgeable or more, but I think they thought they should be bigger. I think that's one part. And I always, I think I've always thought I've respected more creators who create products. So like people who make software or people who make like, I made this water bottle, I made this microphone. And I think I, 
only recently realized that like a content creator is someone I respect and it's someone who's making something and it's not, it's a different form. And so finally I was like, well, oh, I can be that. And one of the things I've said, like, oh, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, they're not blogging. They're not YouTubing. So like, I should be like them. And I, you know, I worked for Mark. So I like, and I've met Bill Gates and like, my friend said, well, you're not them. And why don't you just do the Noah Kagan way? I was like, what do you mean the Noah Kagan way? He's like, just do the way you want to do it. I was like, well, I want to make businesses and I like sharing the content. And I think I'm finally just not feeling as self-conscious about trying to get popular with it. And even beyond that, I think what I'm recognizing is I didn't realize that my stuff was helpful. Oh, yeah. Well, it's such a unique perspective. You know, a lot of people start a YouTube channel and they're like, oh, what am I going to talk about? Just kind of anything like random tags or challenges. But it's like, oh, you have this whole thing you can talk about that no one else can speak to. Yes. Which is so interesting. Well, like a big epiphany happened where I don't know where you are with this, but with comments, I used to just be when people said, hey, I, I didn't want to never looked at them across any of my stuff in like 20 years. I didn't really look at them. And then when people would comment like, hey, this helped me. And I've said this a little bit. Later, I'm like, I always thought how stupid they were. I'm like. You're I'm like, like, oh, you're. It did. <laughs> I'm like, like I'm like, what do you mean? The thing I told you worked for you, and I think what I was really thinking was that, like, I'm a dumbass, oh. and I'm like, this dish, like, I make this dish, and it only tastes good to my mouth, and I don't know if it'll taste good for you. And I think just starting to put myself out there and realize, like, I think lately what I've really been focused on is results. In our dork stuff, it's well, a few things have happened. I think you'll find interesting, but one, it's like, what are our values? Or I like calling them Noahisms or Sumoisms. And one of them was like results over everything. So for our audience, it's how do I get them results for themselves? Oh, okay, cool. And lately I've been looking at the comments and they have results and, I'm, and I start responding to them. I love responding to comments. Yeah, that's the coolest thing actually. If someone watches your video and it, it makes a big difference in what they're doing, it's like, wait, you kind of forget because you're not meeting these people in person most of the time or even seeing them. So it's just a comment. So it almost feels like, oh, just a number, you know, the views. But then you're like, wait, no. Like people are actually taking this advice. Yeah, it's like ba username babygoat42. I'm like, okay. But then you realize that's a human who's, you know, they've watched your material. Two things with that. One, I want to I wanna just kind of share something with you. But then I, I do have a question about your audience related to this. Now that I'm taking myself more seriously and, and our content, like I've treated it as a professional versus a hobby. And that's why I asked you about your team. Because like now with just my content, there's a team of four of us, like a video editor, social media manager, an operations manager. And it's like, oh, wow, that's what a professional does versus someone who's a hobbyist. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I've just been I've thought about that. That's why I've noticed for you, you said it's your career. Yeah. I feel like you would need that. I think I have a hard time letting go of the control of the videos because I like a certain editing style or something like that. But if you're because you're still running a company at the same time, right? No, I have a I basically hire different general managers to run each division. This is my focus now. Oh, Okay. I think that's smart, though. I want to get to a point where everything's a little more like hired out in like that perfect way where now you have time to think about bigger projects or something like that. But it's hard to it's hard hiring people, I find. I think one the question that I would be curious for you, and this is what I've tried to figure out is like, where do I want to spend my time? Like, how can I spend my entire week? OK, yeah. Sometimes I think I want to do a lot of editing, but then actually sitting in front of the computer for that long gets kind of boring. It's fun for like three or four hours out of a day. But more than that, you're like, I sat in front of a screen all day. I guess, what would you do with that time instead? Or what would you want to do with that time instead? I'd probably interview people for different videos, different like documentary style videos. That's like my favorite thing is real life things going on 
that are kind of crazy or that people don't know a lot about or there's like some misconception. That's what I've tried to do in some of my videos. But it's fun because in those interviews, like it's almost selfish. Like I'm just asking these questions that I want to know the answer to, but I can make a video out of it too. Perfect. Yeah. That's how it should be. Yeah. Why do you think you haven't done or have you tried the hiring or have you asked your manager to help with the hiring? I think it's just sort of my process of editing my videos is I'll go back into a voiceover and think of more ideas. And I'm afraid the video won't turn out as good if I hire someone because I won't have that process of, I don't know, like that second revision. Maybe if I had someone who worked with me day to day, because in the past when I've hired people, it's like freelancers, not like someone who's there every day, like on a salary or something like that, just like for each shoot that I'm doing. Can I make a suggestion? Yes. What if they made a video that did even better than the way you do it? That would be like the greatest thing. So I think what's missing is, if I may. Yeah. I think there's budget concerns because I don't know. I mean, we can talk about money and I, you know, I know you've put a little bit about your income. So obviously budget is one, but I think the more important thing actually is your process for hiring that person. Yeah. How would you suggest going about hiring a creative professional? I can tell you exactly what we did. Yeah. So I think you have to decide you want it. I think this is what's hard. It's like dating. I don't know. Are you married? I'm single. I'm single as well. But if you're dating, if you have one bad date, it sounds like you've hired an editor, you had one bad date and you're like, I'm never going to date again. Yeah. I definitely have had that. Being very clear, I think number two, I can send you our job description, but I think it's being very clear what you want them to do. The way that I like to do it is we have basically a three-step process. So the first step is, do they have a brain? So there's two parts. Like I'll tell you the process and I'll tell you how to recruit them. So do they have a brain? Number one, all they have to do is email like LinkedIn at okdork.com with their LinkedIn URL. That's the first step. And half the people are so dumb, they can't follow that. Oh, and so you're like, you're out. Yeah, like literally just put in your LinkedIn URL. And they're like, well, I don't have LinkedIn. I don't have LinkedIn URL. Well, get one, dumbass. All right, so that's step one. Step two, it's kind of like a gauntlet. You want it to get progressively harder. You want them to earn the job. Step two, it's more like, show me a video that you've done. And then there's a few other questions like, take one of my videos and tell me how you'd make it better. So part two is basically... I'm now starting to give them a little more work. So they're starting to get like, okay, but I haven't even talked to anyone yet. We still have not even talked to anyone. Step three is, all right, here's some content for you. Now make a video that I would post on my channel. So step three is now do the job. Like, let me see how you actually do the job. And step three is like, basically, it's kind of a telling thing. You're like, all right, this is either really impressive or not. The only thing you could consider is coaching. Like, hey, here's how I do this, here's how I do that. But ideally, what they should do is come back to you and say, hey, here's the voiceovers I need from you. You're right. Yeah. And if they're not, then they weren't getting it. They weren't getting what I'm doing with the video. I didn't even think of that. I guess I always thought like, how would they be able to like come up with a script or whatever? But yeah, I actually should look into that more. How many people do you consider when you're like going through that process? Like when you get to the point where they need to yeah. do kind of a rough cut of the video? You know, our company, I don't know how many people work there, but I think it's around 50 or 60. What I have found is it takes about 100 applicants to find one great person. That's insane. I thought of this. Why did someone watch you? I talked about it with my parents last night. I think a lot of them like the editing style. Like I've seen a few comments about how my videos are kind of random topics at different times. You know, like it doesn't stick to like just Tesla videos or just like there are channels that are just beauty videos or something like that. But the one thing that's consistent is the voiceover, the editing, like is always in a way that's interesting. So I think like they know they might learn something or the editing will be in a way that kind of intrigues them. I think that's why. What do you think? I think people want to be you. 
Oh, I guess I, I could see because so many people these days are like wanting to do YouTube. I was thinking about your story. It's like, hey, 14, I just started posting videos. It was fun. And now I'm living this dream life in L.A. I think the thing I've respected about social media people, including myself, is it's more work than anyone thinks. Yeah. It's way more work than anyone thinks. It's 80% work, 20% like the glamour. But I think they see your journey and they're like, I want to copy that and I want to learn how to be that. Yeah. And I think because the videos are fun to watch, they're pretty fun to make too. But a lot of it, it's you remember it's still work or still like 90% of it, like sitting in front of your computer. Like it's not super exciting a lot of the time. Totally. The final part you asked about like the hiring piece, because I think for my videos and my content, people are like, well, I want to run a business. I want to learn how this guy did this. Basically, I'll tell you for our video position, we had, I don't know how many people applied actually technically, but three made it through the gauntlet. They followed the stupid test. They actually had some brains. Then they put together something we were like impressive and three ended up and they're all really strong. So we basically gave each of them two weeks and we said, each of you are going to do these three videos and we're going to pay you for it. And after the two weeks, it was pretty. So I like trials because I think it's, I want people to get paid and I want to see what they're actually going to do. So after the two week trial, one of them was just, it's obvious. This dude was just like significantly better. Okay. So you try out a few before I've kind of gone with like, oh, this person seems pretty good. I'll try them out. But then if it doesn't really work out, now I'm back to square one of like looking for people again. So I like that. I'm going to try that out. The thing I've learned in life is that the easy hires or the easy dates have never worked out. Every time I'm like, oh my God, they just came. This is magical. And and I'm like, it's too easy. You got to earn it. The only thing I would add for you is that the recruiting part now, right? Like that's actually the interesting thing. So how do you get the people to get in there? And what I've noticed with, with, even with our company, people think we're drinking all the time, but we're not. And they're like, oh my God, you're partying and you're making videos and you guys are just doing all these things. Is that in the videos? And so they think that, or what is it? Uh, I think with our company, appsumo.com, they think that in my videos, I try to really just show it's like most of it's work and here's the, here's the work I do. But I think people apply for the job like, dude, we're just going to travel and we're going to party and we're just have, I'm like, you realize most of the work we do is it's work. It's fun. And I think what you said, I want to I want to highlight. You said it yourself and I thought it was really great, which is it should be fun. Find a career that is fun. Yeah, it's like a mix of it. The parts that aren't that fun, you can get through it because you enjoy it overall. Like the parts of YouTube that are kind of I don't like doing the like actual uploading the video and making the thumbnail and the all of that, but I'm like so excited to get it up or like have it finished that you can get through that. Maybe I should hire someone for that part. I think it's really figuring out where you want to spend your time. So for me now with our content, with the team of four, like lately we're getting to a point which has been pretty interesting and I don't like it. I like parts of it. I literally just show up and there's a script. That's incredible. Yeah. So And it's good. Like you really like it and everything. Like the videos turn out. You're like, this is better than what I thought it was going to be. I'd say it's 50-50. So one of our recent videos we put out was this email marketing video about how to grow an email list. And Michael and Jeremy on the team basically watched all the most popular videos, looked at all the content I've already put out, talked to me, and then took our template and said, all right, here's the video script you're going to do. And I, you know, I had some edits and we went over about an hour of the edits and then I just recorded it. Nice. And then they take it and do all the social and do the video and do the email. And I think that's where I've stopped in the past. It's obviously it, it costs money, but I've stopped because it drains me. And so for me, it's like I have to do in the beginning. And I think everyone should do the hard work to learn it. But over time, you're like, if I don't have to do it. And so it's figuring out what stuff is sustainable and I, I enjoy and the stuff I can pass off. Uh, but so in terms of recruiting people, I think if you have an email list, I'd email your audience. I'd put it in your video descriptions. I'd put it all over social. Personally, also like looking like who's making videos that I like. And generally, they're not going to be available. 
But I say, hey, who would you hire? And you find the people you like and who they'd hire. And that and that's a promising referral. Yeah. I even once put in a video, oh, I'm hiring like if anyone's interested or lives in LA. And I got some good applicants. But sometimes I think when people watch your videos, they're more in the mindset of like, oh, this will be fun. It'll be like hanging out. But and they kind of forget that it's work a little bit. Well, I think that's why I like putting basically. And so, by the way, we don't even talk to anyone until that stage three of the process. Okay. So the stage one is just like email this email. and then to stage two, the footage is already there. So stage one is an email to like a your Gmail address. And then yeah. what you can do is set up an autoresponder. So if they email this correctly, you just have an auto reply, like a canned response. Yeah. And then I email them a Google form. So the Google form is stage two. Once they submit the Google form, then I look at the results and I'll manually email stage three because I don't want everyone to pass to stage three. But as long as they do the first one, stage two, Stage three is a manual email. And then stage four, they'll finally do a call with us before we say, hey, here, let's do a paid trial. Okay. That's really smart. Rather than going back and forth, emailing them, being like, okay, looks good, sounds good, all that stuff. Yeah, there's like software and stuff, but I, I don't think, I mean, I don't really want to use it to make it too complicated. Yeah. You can just sort of automate it with all the Google stuff, Google Forms yeah. and everything. I'll send it to you and I'll probably post it somewhere in the description or yeah. somewhere. So that you should that do a video like for YouTubers, how to hire people. I find a lot of us YouTubers have a hard time doing this because we're not like you've run a business, right? But we're kind of like, you know, creative, whatever. Yeah. And haven't had that experience hiring people. At least I haven't. And a lot of YouTubers kind of around my age. So yeah, we need that video basically. Okay. All right. All right. I'll do it. Great. One thing I was thinking for you is what do you think of yourself as? Do you think of yourself as a social media influencer? Do you think of you as an entertainer? What do you think of yourself? I actually don't like the word influencer and I don't really think of myself as much as that. I think of people that do just mainly Instagram are kind of influencers or bloggers kind of influencers. But I think of myself as kind of like a video producer because I like doing sort of like documentary style videos and I want to get more into that. like. Even if I didn't do YouTube, I think I would still be making videos of some kind somewhere because I have a hard time even like getting myself to post on Instagram as much and I feel like I need to more. So I guess I'm an influencer just by default of doing YouTube and having followers from that. But I do kind of think of myself more as like video producer. Like I like editing it and putting it all together. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. I did wonder, do you think every, my mom thinks not. So just to put it out there, do you think everyone could be a video producer or a social media influencer? I don't really know. I think if people really want to and, but some people I do think it's like, they just don't have that drive to do it or like they kind of want to do it, but they like, don't think in the way, like, I think YouTubers think in a very specific way where they're self-starters and they're like, I'm just going to do it and figure it out. And some people really just aren't like that. Maybe they could be like that, but they don't want to be. I'm not really sure, but I've definitely come across people who don't want to deal with that first few months where it's not going to have much traction, you know? So I think anyone could kind of do it, but a lot of people give up. Yeah. I was curious for you, it's like, how do you balance living for yourself versus living for your audience? Okay. I think I had a harder time with this in the past when I would vlog more, you know, like daily vlogs. It is more just like intrusive to your life because other like your friends are in it or if you're dating anyone, then it's like it starts to get kind of weird in that way, I guess. But since my videos are about a topic like I'm trying to think like a Tesla video, it's I can just kind of shoot that and I don't have to really like have my whole life in it. 
So it's easier for me to do that. But it is harder with Instagram or Instagram stories. I feel like everyone is always wanting to see like everything you're up to. And I'm not the best about that. I like posting all the time. But I think one thing that helps is almost all of my friends in LA also do YouTube or something like that. And so they get it. And they're kind of also like, if I'm not in the mood to take photos, they are. And it kind of like brings me into it. You know, they're like asking for one. So then I'll take one as well. Like that helps a lot. Just like the people that you're around, if they're doing that same thing. Totally. That's a great point. That's a really good point. I think if I lived up here in Seattle all the time, I would be really bad about it because I have a twin sister and she lives, I'm in her room right now. And I think it's harder for her because it's like there are less like content creators up here. I love that point. It's like who's around you that's elevating you or kind of supporting you or also like, hey, you should do this. And it's kind of you build each other up. Definitely. Even like one of my roommates is a YouTuber and my neighbors, like we're all just doing that. And it does help. It helps you even just think of ideas or the conversations you're having, even if it's not like the content you're making, but like the ideas you're coming up with, it helps a ton. I was wondering around that too, where as you put out a video and as you get more attention, sometimes I've, I think I've been scared of like the fame treadmill, like this attention treadmill where I'm like, okay, I need more. Like there's some, you know, some people want to be in front of the camera and some people want to be behind. Yeah. I guess how have you experienced, you know, that? I feel like I really like being behind the camera just as much as in front of it. So that's good in the way that I'm not always trying to be like, oh, I need more followers and whatever. Because I've experienced times where I'm actually losing subscribers. And that at first freaked me out. I was like, is this YouTube thing over for me? Like, is this it, you know? But it was at a point where my videos, like, I kind of had lost track of what type of videos I wanted to make. You know, when I started in high school, it was like beauty and fashion. And then I continued doing that past the point where I was as interested in it as I was when I was in high school. And so, Going through that point where I was losing subscribers, but then I kind of revamped it and changed up my style, changed up the videos I was making, and everything started gaining again. I wasn't so worried about it. Now, anytime a video kind of flops, I'm really not too worried because I'm just thinking maybe just that style wasn't right. I don't know. I feel like if you're losing subscribers, it's almost for a reason. Like that style of video that I was making back when I was like, 18 to 22, I'm so glad I'm not doing any more. But if I hadn't been losing subscribers, like really been pushed to change it, I don't know if I would have as much as I did. And I'm so glad that my my channel is so different than it was four years ago, even like two years ago. You're progressing. Yeah. But it is kind of weird because you feel like it's all riding on having followers and everything. Well, I feel like if I lost that, I'd probably just start figuring out different types of videos to make for something or I don't think it would just go away overnight you know but it's definitely kind of like people would say oh in 10 years what will it be like like when I was 20 people were like oh do you really think you're going to be doing that when you're 25 and it's like yeah I mean it's bigger than it ever has been but I didn't know like more people are on YouTube more people are wanting to do YouTube and I, yeah I don't know if that answered the question, but no, it was, it was, <laughs> yeah. I like your part. And I think where I've been exploring, like we put out some videos that loses subscribers and we have pulled them, but I think it's also, okay, well, that's an indication of the people maybe don't want that, or there's something to reevaluate instead of just like, let's stop it completely. And I think there's some where it's like, oh, let's just do them anyways. Cause we also, we like it. Yeah. And if it's gaining different subscribers, if it fits in like the big picture of the channel, like that style. But if it's like super random and no, like people are like, eh, I don't really like this one, then I could see it. 
But I don't know, because I've seen like when I went from making sort of more like beauty and lifestyle videos to more of these documentary style videos about companies or about photography for a while, I lost a bunch of subscribers because it had to clear out those old ones who don't care about this new topic before I started gaining the new ones. But now it's bigger than it was before. You're like a caterpillar. Now you're a butterfly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just floating through. It's great. (laughs) How do you think about your content? How do you think about the strategy of that? My process of coming up for a video is sort of like, what am I interested in that people are also searching for or that other people would be interested in too? Every once in a while, I'll do a video that like I just selfishly want to make, but usually I'll try and make something that I'm interested in, but also my audience is still interested in. If it's too random, like if it's a video about like, I don't know, this hairbrush and it's like all it is is like about this brush. No one's really going to care about that, but I can usually find a way to take whatever I'm interested in and interview different people or add some style to the editing where it's like everyone can kind of enjoy something or appreciate something about it. And I also notice if I'm editing the video back and I don't even want to watch it, like if I'm bored of it, no one's going to want to watch it. Sometimes like it's a bit discouraging too because you're like, oh, this video is not turning out. And I used to get more kind of down on that, like, should I just scrap this video? Like, this is not good. But I found if you just like keep going with it and adding different things or editing it in a different way or just get some feedback from someone, you can take any video that's just kind of mediocre and make it better. Like, you don't have to scrap it. You know, that's what I've realized in the past couple of years is just because it's not that good at the beginning or the footage got messed up or something like it can still get better like just give it a few days and shoot some b-roll like do anything to make it better and you'll start to feel okay like oh this is actually turning out good get like inspired again yeah i think that's a great point we as a team two weeks ago we watched one of our one of my videos that i recorded all together and we all just like criticized the whole thing in a good way we all we like literally from zero to ten minutes we're like every few seconds we're like all right what did you think what did you think what did you think And it was like, okay, cool. Now we know for the next video how to make it stronger. Yeah, that's really smart. Or even it's almost a good thing. Like, have you ever gone and shot something and the audio didn't work or something happened where you have to reshoot it and it's so annoying, but that second time you shoot it is usually better anyway. And so sometimes I'm like, should I just be doing like two versions of each video, the rough draft, but then the real one, but that would be so time consuming. But when things go wrong like that, you have to just be like, okay, it's going to turn out better anyway, so it's fine. I know, but I hate that. Yeah. I hate it. Dude, every next take is always better. Like, I noticed in some of my earlier takes, I'll be like rushing because I just want it to be over with. Yeah. And then I'm like, <sighs> and then the second one is about, it's, but it's interesting. I guess we keep doing, I guess, when do you stop doing the takes? But I think that's a great point. Do you do a lot of takes of videos in general? Like if you're just talking to a camera? I'm experimenting with it. So the reason I got back into YouTube was during coronavirus, I just felt called. I think a lot of people did. A lot of people are like, I've been wanting to do this for a while, but this is like, now I have the time, you know? Yeah, I had a few customers of ours tell me like some of the things I've shared with them over the years was the reason that they're doing well today. And I was like, are you, you sure? Are you sure it was me? Like not something else? That's really cool. Well, that inspired me. I was like, it made me believe in myself more. Yeah. I mean, it's videos about something that's actually making a difference rather than just, I don't know. I think because I've thought in the past of videos I've done that are super random or just doing a video for the sake of the consistency of it versus doing it because people are like actually like it's making a difference in their life, you know? Yeah. I've thought about that. I was talking about that with my parents in the hot tub last night. I was like, I'm interviewing this 24-year-old. What questions do you think I should ask? And 
we're talking about like education versus entertainment versus should a teacher get paid very little versus like a an influencer or a video producer and I, I don't know it's a it's a harder discussion that's funny my dad was a teacher and it got to the point where it was like yeah youtube you can make a lot more doing it because there's like no ceiling to it then when you're a teacher it's like there's kind of like a point you can only make it up to a certain amount but it also depends like if you're an influencer but it's small and you don't put that much effort in like there's no guarantee you know it's kind of the interesting thing about life. Like you can have the guarantee, but it might be lower and you can have the risk so it could be higher. Totally. I feel like that's true just in general. Like even past YouTube, like starting your own company, I'm sure it's like, it's up to you. There's no ceiling on it, but the risk is so much higher than if you were just like working at a different, at a like some random nine to five job. I mean, I, I worked at Intel, which is like the, it's like, you ever seen Dilbert? You ever, do you remember that? The comics? Yeah. The yeah. comic guy was like, my job sucks. That was pretty much my life. Like Office Space, that movie? Was yeah, it like that? Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. I see. I've never had a job like that. I almost think you should try it just to be like, oh, this YouTube stuff is great. <laughs> right? I kind of wish I had had that experience just to even more be like, I'm glad I'm doing this now. Because I, a few years ago, went through a phase where I was like, maybe I would rather have a different job. Because YouTube is kind of, if you don't have a team, like, it's more isolated. Like, it's all, like, just you doing this one thing. And I was like, it would be fun to work with other people. But at that time, I think my channel wasn't doing as well where I could hire people. So, yeah. But all in all, I'm so glad that I do YouTube. One thing I thought that's funny is you said your channel started doing better. I'm like, you know what's always fun to, to do? Win. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, like always fun. <laughs> it's like always fun to stick with things that are doing well. Like you're like, oh, I don't like it's like guess what? If you're making money or it's growing. I think what's always fascinating to me is when people are starting out, they're like, there's nothing to lose. You put up videos, you pick this. I guess what kind of keeps you up or what are you, you know, afraid of more now as you become more successful? I feel like these days people are so quick to cancel people for the most random stuff. And I'm almost like, I have so much stuff just on the internet. I feel like I have good judgment. And I'm never like posting anything offensive, but I'm almost like, what if I do an interview like this and say something like I'm hyper aware of like what I'm saying and I'm almost afraid like something will be taken the wrong way and become like a meme or something like that where I'm like, whoa, I don't think it would really happen, but I just see it happen like every day. Someone's like, in hot water over something and sometimes i'm like seriously that's in my opinion not a huge deal we're all canceling this person over something that's like they can fix sometimes though it is like whoa that was messed up but i don't know even like i'm almost afraid to vlog like daily vlogs and show my personal life because now i value it more being kind of private but during the quarantine i did vlog just like daily vlogs because i was bored but I don't know. I don't want it to ever like mess with like, I'm afraid of, I guess, when people daily vlog and now they're depending on having like their friends in it and that kind of thing. Like I would rather have my videos be about something where I can like not rely on that. I don't really think I would need to. I don't know. In general, I don't feel like I have a lot of fears surrounding YouTube though. I think for the most part, I can come up with an idea for a video and make it good and nothing. I don't know. Maybe like getting sued for something dumb. I've gotten sued a few times. It just means you've made it. Every time I get sued, I'm like, yes, I'm gone the next level. Yeah. Because I feel like YouTubers can kind of get away with more because it's like a gray area than say like a TV show, you know, like if someone uses copyrighted music in a video, which I never really do anymore because these days there are a lot of good like epidemic sound in those like they're actually good. 
But back in the day, I would use copyrighted music more because you wouldn't really get copyrighted for it as much. But technically, you could have gotten sued for that. But most of those videos have taken down. And I don't even care about the song that's in the video anyway. But I don't know, just things like that. On a kind of different note, if I have a kid and my kid eventually is, let's say, 15, what do you think the blueprint, if they wanted to be like you, what would you recommend? If I'm like, they're like, oh, I watch Shelby. If they're 15. 15 or 20, I guess, like, what would be the blueprint that you'd recommend? I was talking, do you know Ali Abdal? Oh, I've seen his videos. They're really good. Dude, he's so good. I got to meet him recently. The guy is amazing. And he basically, he had something really interesting. He's like, no, he's Noah. He's British. He said, if you just make a video twice a week for two years, you're famous. And I was like, that's it? He's like, yeah, I watch all the famous yous, famous people. I look at how they do it. I make those videos and I keep improving. And two years later, and I, I think what I appreciated him is like, it made it a very clear blueprint of success. If someone wanted to model yours, like how, how would you think of it? Yeah. Oh, I like that. Because his was also like making them better. Like if you really are uploading twice a week and working on like, you're really trying to make them better in five years, you're going to be really good at it. But initially, I was thinking if I was 15, one thing that made me take it more seriously is my parents weren't just like, oh, you want to do this? Like, here's a camera, like, try it. Because if it's too easy like that, you almost quit. Like, I had to save up my money to buy a camera. Then I was like, okay, like, at that point, I wasn't taking it super seriously, but I wasn't just going to, like, move on because I can go and as a 15 year old afford to, like, buy a bike and this interests me instead. It's like, okay, no, this is like the thing I chose to do at the moment and focus on not making it too easy to start because when it is people just are like get excited for a week and then don't really continue with it and then I guess just over the years I've followed the style of videos or the topic of videos that interest me at the moment but I've never felt like a need to pigeon my or pigeonhole myself into that but I have kind of fallen into doing it on on accident (laughs) But I've realized you can get out of it, like doing lifestyle, like more lifestyle videos. I still like that stuff. But when I was doing it all the time and I just didn't care about it as much, I would like kind of lose the passion for it. So I think always kind of just taking a step back and being like, do I even like this style? Do I want to do these videos? You know? Yeah. Well, I like that your parents made you earn it. They didn't just give it to you. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of YouTubers and it's a similar thing where it was like, Oh, they had to like Sarah Dietschy. Do you know her? No. She Should does tech creativity videos. They're really good. But she was on my podcast and um, we were talking about how her parents did a similar thing. And I was like, I swear every YouTuber is something like that. I've been thinking about the concept of like earning versus buying things. I wanted a nice camera. So I got a Sony camera. But I was like, until you get 50,000 subscribers, you have to use your phone or your webcam. Oh, and- <laughs> yeah. It's like more of a challenge. It's more fun. Yeah. It's more fulfilling when you get it. These days, though, it is harder because starting out, people already have really great quality or thinking about it like you're starting out hiring a few people. Like back when I started, that was not a thing, you know? It was almost a more level playing field for just like a random kid to start making videos. But I still see people that like now, it's easier to kind of figure it out. There is more of a blueprint now. Back then, there wasn't really. It was just people kind of randomly doing this and there weren't like YouTube managers or agents. I think it's easier to monetize even a smaller channel. And I've seen YouTubers who they're like 14 or 15 and they're in high school and they're making like 50,000 a year. And it's just like crazy because they're in high school. That would be unheard of 10 years ago. That is pretty amazing. Yeah. One thing on that that tip is that you're 24. I'm, I'm 38. 
I'm actually is 25 like, uh, now. Uh, you look 24, I swear to God. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it as a compliment. I feel like I'm getting to the age where I'm like, yeah, I'm 24. No, I'm not really worried about that, but I'm like, okay. I still feel like around 32. I think I'm still like in that 32. I'll take that for a while. Yeah, that's good. I guess one thing I was curious is the two things on that question is what's hip with you 20-year-olds that us midlife people don't know about? Because you guys are on the front line. Yeah. Well, I even feel like I'm out of touch. I've made like, what, like four or five TikToks. And that's where I've seen a few of my friends. They've really like gone for it and are consistent with it. And you really can get a huge following on there, but it is a lot younger. And if it's just on there, there's not, I think, as much you can do with it. And I just don't find myself being that interested in it. But TikTok, I think, is like the big thing right now because you can grow on there. But I think you can also grow on YouTube. And sometimes I'm like, I respect when people are like, I don't want to do that. So I'm just not going to do it, you know, because I don't really want to do TikTok that much unless I had my own style to it, where it was like documentary style videos on TikTok. But I don't really want to do the dances, you know, (laughs) I don't want to do that stuff. All right. When we meet up in LA, we'll do a TikTok dance video. Yeah, I learned one of them, but I was like, I don't want to like post it. It's funny. Someone texted me two days ago and they're like, dude, what's your TikTok strategy? And I was like, everyone going to TikTok just leaves more room on YouTube for me. I think there's opportunity in being new to channels, but I think you could be famous on, or famous or more than not just famous, you can get whatever you want on any channel. You just have to pick the channel that you enjoy. I think there's easier ones potentially in the beginning, like, oh, TikTok's big, let's rush over there. But I think it's also what you enjoy. You're like, hey, I love making videos. There's probably something there. You're like, I don't love editing podcasts. So maybe that relates to your podcast experience. Yeah, true. I'm not hating on it, but there's something there. Like I generally didn't like video because I don't want to like fake being in a video. But if I can come and just talk about some business knowledge and it's easier, I like the podcast because I can just jump on. But I did know for podcasts, I don't know if you've experienced this. It was harder to grow the audience in the podcast. Like I felt YouTube, I could put it up and it's like, oh, 20,000 people. But podcast, it was like 7,000 or 30. It it was up to 30,000, but it was like the growth number is much harder to move. Yeah, well, I think podcasts just don't have that discoverability and people are only finding it from the other channels you already have. Like if I already have a following on YouTube, they may go to the podcast, but you could have no subscribers on YouTube. But if people are searching for that thing, they'll land on it. But people don't really search on like Spotify for new podcasts. They're not searching like, I don't know, how to curl your hair. People could search that on YouTube and watch a video and that's just informative, but then they'll like stay if they like the person's personality. But people don't really do that with podcasts as much. So I think the only way to grow is to like already have some followers and be promoting it a ton and then collaborate with other podcasters. Or if you chart, then I'm sure you get a lot. But it's not like you're making searchable podcast stuff because I feel like it just doesn't work that way. But I'm new to podcasting. I think I like what you said, which is you're great at YouTube and you've picked YouTube and you focus on YouTube. What you said I really love is just pick one. And so for our team, it was like, hey, let's just do YouTube and everything we do should drive towards that. So like our tweets and our Instagram is basically we test content on there to see what our audience likes and then we'll make a video out of it. Oh, smart. I've thought about doing that with Medium. I did a video about like writing articles on Medium, but it's interesting to see, you know, it takes less time to write an article than to make a whole video. So write a few articles, see which one kind of picks up and chances are it'll probably do really well as a video too. Kind of the same thing as tweets or Instagram, things like that. And then, you know, how does it feed the the beast? I think that's in business. Like the reason we've been able to be successful is I think we find something like AppSumo and it's like, I'm not great at this. I'm working on it, but just keep doing that. 
just keep doing it and figure out how to keep supporting that versus all of us. It's exciting to see the shiny stuff. Oh, TikTok, Gary V talked about it. Let's run over there. It's like, all right. I think there's people who can just keep going on the one thing when it's boring, get the success. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I think YouTube is a really good base platform because it's like a search engine anyway. So people just find you on it randomly rather than I always hear people making a podcast or starting a podcast that they're not an influencer in any sense. And it's like, probably no one will listen to it. Like that sounds bad, but how will people find it? But someone starting a YouTube channel, people will totally find it if it's about things people are searching for. It also just has monetization in it. Like TikTok doesn't have that. Even if you're not that big or you're not doing brand deals, you'll be making a little bit, a little something to like, you know, reinvest back into it. It's interesting. You posted your 2019 income video. I guess because my content's about business, I get really high CPMs. It's disproportionate how little money I make on YouTube versus our company. Oh, but it's still yeah. kind of interesting. Like, No, I think it's so interesting, the CPMs of different like business. I have an, a video about Amazon, and I think the CPM's like $30 when most of my videos are like like a $5 CPM. So like that's insane. Hold on. Let me go look at mine. I want to see what it actually is. I think we're making like a thousand a month with 50,000 subscribers. I was like, this is crazy. All right. Our CPM is $27.39. That's really good. Yeah. for I think business-related videos do really well just because the advertisers can spend more. I guess so. We've been experimenting with some of the ad stuff on YouTube because I was like, I have money. Other people may not have money. Maybe we can use it as a way to grow subscribers for affordable. So far, it hasn't done. Sh- and it's just basically... <laughs> Uh, Because I'm not selling anything. I think if I had like, oh, here's my course. If you join my YouTube video and you could buy this, maybe that would be better for us. What are your thoughts on courses? So I have a course that I've made. I made it $7 and then I give people their money back once they've made $7. We've actually found that the people that come to the course get results, become our AppSumo.com best customers because they're like, all right, we trust these guys. Yeah. I think there's many ways of making money. And it's just figuring out which way you enjoy and which way scales best with your business. The course stuff, it's hard to scale the quality of a course. So once you've gotten it, it's like a book. It's like, all right, it's probably not going to be that much better than this book. I just think it's like, which which ways do you want to make money? Course, book, conferences, products. I've never been super into making a course myself, but I just see sometimes people charging like $1,000 for a course. And I'm like, how are people even buying that? I mean, a lot of that comes back to the value. Right. It's like it's a perceived value of, hey, this is only a thousand. I'm going to help you make 10,000 or, you know, whatever expectation. I think a lot of that's overrated, frankly. Yeah. But I mean, I guess you could argue like college at 200,000 or 50,000. I mean, college, in my opinion, I'm like, wow, I'm glad I didn't do that at this point. Like, <laughs> it's becoming, I think, less important. I mean, still with some jobs, like if you want to be like a lawyer or a doctor. But other than that, it's like, why is it $200,000 for just like a normal job? One thing I was curious, and I do have to wrap up, is the majority of money from the ads and sponsorships? Yeah. For my channel, it's like mostly ads and sponsorships. Can I make a recommendation? Sure. Is it merch? No, I don't like merch at all. Merch is if you're already super famous. I think it's a cool way to do it. But some, like one of the guys on our team is like, let's do merch. I'm like, just stop. Anyways, so my, if, can I make a recommendation yeah, to scale your bu- yes. business better? All right. So if YouTube or your advertisers change something on you, or like, let's say, let's say the economy tilts downwards. You're a little bit subjugated to ad rates, CPM, or sponsorships. You have like kind of like one dependent revenue stream. So for me, I'm lucky. I am lucky that we've built something that is a little bit more independent of it. So I guess I would I would think about building insurance into your business. So the way I would build insurance if I were you is two things. One, 
I would be a little bit more active. And I don't know if you are, I haven't spent time studying your marketing. How can you be more active in two things? One, building up your email list because you can control that completely. Yeah, I haven't really done that. That's actually so smart because yeah, I've seen with YouTube subscriptions just over the years, it's like, oh, sometimes people aren't getting the notification. But if you have an email list, of course, you control it. So we have a thing, sendfox.com. It's free. You can use that or a lot of people use MailChimp. I don't, I'm biased. I built it. We built it for me, but use whatever one you want. I think number one, just grow an email list. I don't care. Just put it in your description, start doing it. Set up an autoresponder. So when someone joins your newsletter, it's like, hey, here's my best video. Here's my best shirts. Here's my best stuff. So number one, just start building. I don't even care if you email. Yeah. So we email every week. We Every week we're like, here's our two favorite content we did and one favorite content from someone else. So that's all we do every week, just one email. Yeah. The second thing I would do is I would be a little bit more considerate about how do you build up a diverse income stream. So what I that sounded too fancy. I would just be experimenting with products. You can email your audience like, hey, I was thinking of doing a course. I was thinking of doing this book. I was thinking of doing this oh, video project. I was thinking of their interest. And just see if anyone will pay you for it. You don't have to email everyone. You could also email like a hundred people. And I think what that does is you don't have to spend any time. You don't have to spend any money and you could see what they want. And then you basically can create something like, you know, Michelle Fan was probably the best I've ever seen in it. Yeah. I feel like so, everything she does, she nails it, like does it very thoroughly and very well. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. Just something to consider. So I think for you, it's how do you build it up so you're hedging and like, guess what? If the economy goes down, your business goes up. Yeah. I actually have come up with different ideas over the years. Like I worked on making a marketplace for YouTubers to hire freelancers. And we called cool. it Shutter without the E though, because the domain name was cheaper. Like Shutter.com is like $300,000, but like Shutter without the E. So it's kind of like Airbnb for finding a freelancer. The thing is though, when you're meeting up with that person, a lot of people just will go around the platform. So that I was like, oh, that's kind of difficult to retain people then because they want to work with the same people, at least I do. So I'm always trying to think of different ideas like that. Can I give you one final suggestion or just thought for you? If you're doing your podcast, maybe that means you're not doing some of these other business things that can have a bigger potential. So you think maybe too much time on the podcast. You should do whatever you want. It's your yeah, life. Yeah, I'm going to do whatever I want. But I totally. just was thinking the amount of time you're putting in the podcast, I wonder if you, because you you made like 200,000-ish last year, maybe a little more. Yeah. Around there, I think in 2019. So I challenge you to make a million dollars. Oh, challenge accepted. Because I thought when you were like, I made $200,000, I was like, why is this person making so little money? You're doing amazing. So look, you're already in the 1%. You've, and you've taken a risk and you've done. So I, I'm not insulting you. I'm honestly like, you from nothing have created this and you've stuck with it, which I'm, that's what I'm trying to learn, like how to stick with it. So it's inspiring to, to see your story. I am just like, for how much work you've put in, I think the reward should be a little bit more disproportionate. Disproportionately higher, higher reward. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to like end this and be like, okay, I need to hire people. I need to like reevaluate. No, but really this has been like a consulting session for me. it's interesting to learn different uh i've been liking connecting with different youtubers and seeing people on their different business journeys yeah well that's one thing i actually love about podcasts is it's an excuse to just have a conversation with someone but you're also like getting paid for it it's fun it's like less less of the like work i guess than a youtube video but it's fun in that way but i definitely need to hire out the editing for sure Something to consider. So yeah. uh, I'm going to jump off one. Awesome chatting with you. Maybe we'll like run into each other. I'll be in a, I'm moving to LA in July. Oh, um, cool. I'm in Seattle right now, but I'll be back in July. Okay. We'll uh, get together, do something. Yeah. All right, Shelby, it's been real. I'll send you uh, the podcast, dude. If you want to, rec- I highly recommend him. He's been phenomenal. And then I'll send you the job stuff or I'll have Mitchell on our team send it to you. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. This is fun.
Yeah, it was great connecting. We'll put it on YouTube world and our podcast world and all over the, the interwebs. Sounds good. Awesome. Take care. Bye. Bye. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you loved the episode. If you want to dig deeper into Shelby Church's universe, be sure to check out her YouTube channel. Just search for Shelby Church on YouTube. My two favorite videos from her channel are how people are becoming millionaires from Amazon. And secondly, how much YouTube paid me in 2019 with a million subscribers. Next, text a friend you love them. Hey, amigo, let's start a YouTube channel this weekend. And before you go, make sure you don't email me at podcast at okdork.com. I won't check it. But if you tweet at me at Noah Kagan and let me know what you thought of the episode, I will check those out. Also, remember to go subscribe to my email list. I put my best tips into a single short email every single week and exclusive content just for my email subscribers. That's sendfox.com slash Noah. And also check out Drop. that's H-A-U-L-D-R-O-P.com. It is the best place online to discover and share real life products from small businesses. That's halldrop.com. And final special thanks to my amazing team. We got Jason at podcasttech.com for always polishing up these podcasts to be so fly. Thank you to David, Mitchell, Jeremy, and Michael from the Dork Team for all of the magic that you guys do. You're fine young gentlemen. And a final special shout out to Neil Lawson, aka Og, aka Dr. Coffee, who is amazing at keeping all of our servers online at Sumo Group. Thanks for everything you do, man. Just want to let you know that you're doing great. Have a lovely day. What's your favorite supplement?